to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, some breaking news today, Friday morning, as we record our Happy Hour podcast, because we're so happy. Um, the Pennsylvania State Legislature has summoned Dominion voting systems, the totally legit, not rigged with the Democrats uh, <laughs> company, to uh, answer some questions before a uh, committee this morning. And guess who didn't show up? Um, Dominion? Right. Well, that I think that points to their innocence <laughs> and how spurious these charges are. Look, I mean, baseless. Nobody, they are baseless. There nobody is no really knows. Fault. You know, I mean, this is <clears throat> although everybody, I think the threshold for what people are willing to believe now is much lower than it was, let's say, five years ago. But, you know, if there's nothing there, why wouldn't you just show up, up and be like? here's all our stuff. There's nothing here. So that's kind of weird. Well, let's keep in mind, this is a government vent. I mean, this is a vendor, the state of Pennsylvania. So, or at least the counties that use the system. So it's sort of arrogant of them just to not show up. And as one of the um, Pennsylvania, the, a few of the state legislatures held legislators held a uh, press conference anyway, and said that they were fully anticipating until this morning or last night Dominion to show up, Dominion reps, and then they lawyered up, is what the state legislator said, to avoid any kind of public, uh, answering any questions in public. Well, I have to say that if you're getting money from the taxpayers, you really do have an obligation to account for your business. So... It's very sketchy. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's, you know, on the one hand, people are saying that the talk about election machine hacking is crazy. And on the other, these people don't show up and clear themselves, right? I mean, there's, or try and clear themselves or defend themselves. Instead, they're like scrubbing their profiles. They're, I don't know, moving offices, I heard, you know, just kind of shifty things. So, yeah, I don't it doesn't look good for them. As someone who's less inclined to believe voting machine hacking, now I'm like, well, that is kind of weird. They could have said, "Look, we have a conflict, we can't make it, we want to be prepared, can we postpone it?" But they didn't do it. I guess they just didn't show up. That's right. They didn't. So here we are with another the big hubbub over the past 24 hours was the press conference yesterday with Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, um, Jenna Ellis, and I believe um, it was Joe Victoria. DeGenova. Yeah, Joe, Joe DeGeneva and Victoria Tensing were there too. So that, while it had some really interesting information and a lot of people, you know, ears perked up at the substance of what was being said, um, because this is related to Trump, it always has to sort of turn into a clown show. And people are focused on the optics of it. Um, so we could talk a little bit about that. It just it's it's galling at this point that Trump's legal team is not more organized, does not have a better public messaging. I guess we shouldn't be surprised at this point, but I, I still am shocked that they knew this was coming. 
but yet did not appear to put the pieces in place to defend this right away. And it just seems like it's sort of an ad hoc process. Well, um, I think the whole vote fraud effort has been a failure long before we had an election because nobody that I know, I'm sure nobody you know, doesn't think there's vote fraud in cities like Philadelphia <laughs> or Detroit, Detroit, right? I mean, right. this is not a, a, a new thing. This is, this is, everybody knows this. We've been, I mean, just even on a steady basis, somebody is indicted and jailed or convicted of some degree of vote fraud around the country. I mean, the left likes to say that this is not, you know, that this is all lies and there's no such thing as vote fraud. But I think Heritage Foundation has a database of like 1,300 recent incidences of people getting arrested for vote fraud. And and the, their database is just literally links to the court paper. So it's not in any way editorialized. So there is vote fraud. People know there's vote fraud. And it's like everybody but the Trump campaign knew that there was vote fraud. And nobody thought to get a head start, you know, right. on this, especially in cities where it was crucial that Trump wins the state, like in Philadelphia for Pennsylvania or Detroit for Michigan, um, you know, hello, right? I mean, I don't know right. if they did the math and say, oh, well, there's enough rural people to overcome the city people. Look, these people in the city, they vote like three times <laughs> each. So, you know, um, it's it isn't just this post-election legal scramble. It's what what was done even before to 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 nail down and to solidify these major cities in the critical swing states. Well, it appears nothing. Nothing. And, you know, it's worth noting, too, in 2018, Scott Walker lost a razor thin uh, his reelection bid for governor of Wisconsin when suddenly I think it was about 40,000 ballots showed up in Milwaukee County, magically giving um, the governor there Evers the edge by about 20,000 votes, which is the same margin that Trump is behind uh, in that state. Um, <clears throat> so but to your point, you know, none of this just magically appeared. There have been concerns legitimate about Dominion voting systems and the software. I feel like the Trump team should have been rolling that out. I think they tried to before the election, but certainly have a simple and effective public messaging ready to go. So there's that. Um, but also, I think there's some missed opportunities by f what you, you sort of have to feed into what people instinctively believe. I think most voters, even Democrats, instinctively know or believe that mail-in ballots and this whole process is sketchy as hell. That you're separating two separate envelopes and all of a sudden the ballot disappears. You have no, you know, as lawyers have talked about the chain of custody for a ballot, you know, knowing that, you know, when you and I go to vote, you have to, even in Illinois, show an ID, signature matching, you know, they know that you showed up, what time you showed up, they know what party you're affiliated with. But here you have these ball flooded ballots, 7.7 .7 million at least absentee ballots in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin alone. The That's idea crazy. that those could, right, crazy, that those could have been authenticated 
as quickly as they allegedly were. And then we know the rejection rate is under 1%, which never has been historically in the past few elections. So there's so many things. This just doesn't add up for people. But I think the footing of the legal team going off on tangents that are unproven or things that wouldn't make a difference, say 10,000 dead voters in Michigan, well, that's not going to get you to 130,000 votes you need to make up. So just I think a lot of missed opportunities, in my opinion. So because people were uh, um, upset and concerned about coronavirus, the Republicans or the legislatures in these states agree to certain concessions regarding election integrity, where we just sent mail ballots, we lowered the threshold, we appeared to be making uh, you know, accommodations for people's fear that they would get the coronavirus if they showed up to a poll and voted. And, you know, in the past, over over the last elections, uh, the left, the progressive left has chipped away at a lot of features we have to keep our elections secure, like voter ID, um, making it easier to to send in an absentee ballot and and so and doing ballot harvesting, which should be illegal. And so we just have no election standards now that that with this these coronavirus adjustments where basically there were mail drops and ballot harvesting and everybody got a ballot on the voter rolls and the voter rolls are corrupt. There's mm-hmm. dead people on them. It's just asking for it. And I hope that now people understand how important it is that we come up with a very secure way to have an election. And then after we do that, then we worry about making sure people can vote. But this idea that it's more important for people to vote than it is for the election to be secure is just bullshit. But that's the way that we've gotten all of these crazy concessions made. And now with the virus, people can't go vote in person. Well, they go to Costco. They can go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. They can do, although I guess that's ending soon. But, you know, (laughs) in some places. Just starve. There were a lot of people. People were doing things. I mean, people were going to work in the grocery stores. Nobody had a problem with that. So Nancy Pelosi's hairdresser was working. Wasn't too dangerous for that. So Antifa was working. Antifa. And also. Matter. Yeah, they, and they were working. And the the protesters were working. So, an arsonist. So, here we are. You know, well, we we gave into this this left wing pressure on making our elections quote safer, and now it's a free for all. One o- other overlooked aspect of how the coronavirus impacted the election is using social distancing regulations to keep observers far out of sight of the pre-canvassing efforts, particularly in Pennsylvania. So that was part of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruling also issued this week, uh, five to two, strictly along party lines. It's Democrat-controlled supermajority in Pennsylvania. So in their ruling, they specifically lay out that um, the Democrats were – were in line to keep observers 12 to 18, 20 feet away from the from the canvassers because it was in line with CDC social distancing rules, which which is absurd because of course what's the it's point? 26. 
Well, first of all, it's only six feet and it's garbage anyway. Let's not pretend anymore that this pseudoscience is legit. So it's six feet. Everybody had masks on, but they were kept far away where they could see. Obviously, they said we could see the ballots being taken out, taken out of envelopes, but could not firsthand observe any um, validation process if the envelope had all of the requirements, including signature, that it needed. And so that's when that stopped, if you'll recall. They stopped that when the Republicans tried to sue and get their observers in there um, and then resume the process. But they were still kept away like by a wall. So all of this adds up to a corrupt election, especially in the three states that Trump needed to keep. Um, you know, he could lose Georgia and Arizona, but if he would have kept the three big swing states in the upper Midwest, he he would he would have won. So that's where a lot of the chicanery came into play. And um, again, that's just not a message that's been told to people. Yeah, the the people who are willing to take victory to take this victory at the expense of cheating and yeah. <clears throat> shifty behavior obviously haven't thought through the consequences of having 75 million people in this country right really right. question what happened and feel that it was unfair and if it weren't unfair um why why all the secrecy why the refusal? Why the refusal to do audits? Why the refusal to let people watch? That that's the other thing. It's if you want people to have confidence in the election, then there has to be transparency. But at every turn, there's no transparency, and it just it just drives home people's skepticism about about the election. It's unfortunate. There's going to be consequence to this. I mean, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's lawsuits about this and people making testimony about being told to treat ballots in one way and not the other. I don't know. At the end of the day, you know, people have war game this out and been like, oh, well, it's going to go to the House of Representatives. You think that these jokers are going to do the right thing. <laughs> and, you know, technically, the Republicans do control more state, more states right. in the House of Representatives than the Democrats. But again, these are John Boehner Republicans and Mitt Romney Republicans. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not Tom Cotton. So I, I'm not sure I'm supposed to feel better going, oh, great. Well, we'll just have the state legislators overturn the, the vote. That's also laughable because, again, the state <laughs> legislators are filled with people like right. that secretary of state in Georgia and Brian Kemp. Right. <laughs> Where is he? We don't know. So. It's just like, this is a great theory that you've all come up with, but in practice, this is not going to work out well. But you see, and to your point, you're exactly right. You already see Republicans. I mean, we saw this a few days after the election. They are so desperate to get Trump out of office and they are ready to move on. They really feel like the 73, 75 million of us who voted for Trump plus that, um, are just going to once again take our medicine and go along and get along, which of course some of them will. Um, but the Democrats want us to lose faith in our institutions. This is their last sort of frontier. If we 
if they succeed in stealing this election, if they succeed in demoralizing half of the country who won't come out and vote anymore, then or don't trust the elections, then they get exactly what they want because we know the Democrats can't win over voters on a fair playing field, right? Which is why they have to play these electoral games. It's the only way that they can win, which the flip side is the Republicans picking up what 12 House seats now, I think, around yeah. there. So, but Republicans are winning based on leadership, based on issues, based on policy. The Democrats can only win by cheating. So they want us to not trust the election anymore. They want us to feel and be powerless. This is all part of their long-term plan to take over every institution, which they already have, really, but now to seize full power in Washington, D.C. And so this just gets us one step closer. Um, And, of course, none of this happens in a vacuum. All of us have seen what's happened the past four years. The corrupt really, I think, traitorous news media. Um, no accountability for what happened with Obamagate. Uh, a sham of an impeachment inquiry preceding trials. I mean, not we see what's, this is an extension of what they've tried to do to Trump and to the country. Um, and so it, it's just one more defeat for our side. Well, also... Just watching this election, it's really and and seeing the fraud is so demoralizing and mm-hmm. wondering, like, what is your recourse? Are you going to vote these people out of office? Well, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't do that. So I think you're right that, that we're definitely in a crisis. And I think the crisis is only going to be worse because I just don't see how this there's going to be a good outcome. I mean, what 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 is what is a good outcome from this right now? How, how how can we get a good outcome? There isn't one, unfortunately. There's no good outcome. There's only bad outcomes um, because we see where this is going to go. Joe Biden is is going to be president, probably. I mean, I think if you had to place a bet, you'd have to place it on that. There will of blame to go around, including the Trump campaign and the president himself for this. Um, and so and so there there's only bad outcomes. You already see Republican senators, you know, they're making deals on amnesty and immigration. They're going to make some kind of deal on a climate change bill, which will be some form of the uh, Green New Deal light and some kind of carbon tax. Um, and so you're, you're seeing how they are already going to compromise and capitulate to Joe Biden. Now there was a report in Politico how Susan Collins, you know, Murkowski, all the rhinos are going to allow Joe Biden to put his cabinet together however he wants, which could include someone like Sally Yates heading up the Justice Department. And if that doesn't make your blood run cold, I don't know what else would unless we got the return of Eric Holder. So it's <laughs> it's, awesome. we're, it's just a major, major screw job. Which beg, which raises the question, why should we fight to keep those two Senate seats in in uh, Georgia? What's the point of having a Republican-controlled Senate when they deserve to lose power? Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I think we'd like to think it would it would stop certain, um, you know, 
unfortunate legislation from going forward. You know, the promises we got from Beto O'Rourke, who I suppose will be head of the ATF now and take all our (laughs) AR-15s. Hell yes, I'm going to ban your AR-15, things like that. But on the other hand, you know, the Democrats always shit the bed. So what, what would be interesting is if this didn't affect us so much, certainly it affects me as a gun owner, uh, which is one of my big fears, is that if they took over everything, there would really be a, you would really bring to the forefront their the tension in the party, which is the the people like the more Joe Mansions, the ones who want to get reelected in their district or in their state versus giving in to the squad. Right. You already have Ilan Omar barking about people saying that they need to tone down their demands, you know, and stop being so radical. So right. if if you, they just had everything, I wonder what would happen. You know, would Joe bought would they pass the Green New Deal in the first week? You know, and then they have no excuse for their base. What are they going to tell their base that they can't do anything? And I mean, if if the Republicans retain control of the Senate. They could always say, well, it's Mitch McConnell. You know, he couldn't get anything through McConnell. But what if it's Chuck Schumer? <laughs> then what? Right. what are they going to say? But if they do things like that, there's going to be a backlash. But, of course, does that matter since apparently the vote, the voting system in our country isn't <laughs> actually legitimate? I don't know. It's not a good place to be. No, it's not. It's. It's such a mess. And then you add on top of that what's happening with coronavirus, more lockdowns, just this authoritarian, tyrannical uh, governors of both parties. I mean, there's no daylight between a Mike DeWine in Ohio and Andrew Cuomo, let's face it. So people just feel and they have reason to feel just no control. We have no control over our country, over our businesses. We have no control even in our own homes anymore being told how many people we can have over, if we can sing, if we can shout, whatever. Um, it's just the year that we've completely lost control over our, indiv- you know, as individuals and as a country. It's really sad. No, it definitely is going to be a terrible Thanksgiving and Christmas too. I mean, they're not going to stop, you know, they're not going to be like, okay, just Thanksgiving. It's going to be Christmas. And who knows? I think they're going to milk this as long as they can, because once Trump leaves, then the Biden administration is going to have to get the vaccine out. Well, you know, (laughs) they're going to think they're going to hurry and do that. Right. If they can keep, you know, and I think the game plan by a lot of these governors and mayors is. They see that Joe Biden is probably going to be president. They want to crash their own economies. They want people desperate for some kind of bailout. So they know now with, you know, the Democrats keeping the House, if it's a tight Senate, Kamala Harris is the tie-breaking vote. You have Joe Biden. They're going to have a multi-trillion dollar bailout package that will bail out not just from, obviously, coronavirus economic damage, but public pension debt, you know, Cities and states like my own, Illinois and Chicago, you know, which are hundreds of billions of dollars in debt. So that is the bailout that's coming. And that's the calculus, I think, that a lot of these uh, politicians on both sides are making. I mean, Mike DeWine's going to have his grubby handout to look like the savior in his state. 
just as much as, say, Andrew Cuomo or Phil Murphy will. Well, that's one reason to have a Republican Senate is to deny them that, you know, the taxpayers bailing out New York because it's a fiscal monstrosity that just really rubs me the wrong way. People aren't going to like that. So um, and and I don't know how many people are aware of this, but the reason there wasn't a second round of relief to the people who actually need relief, i.e. the workers and not people that, um, you know, drive their state's economy into the shitter. That's Nancy Pelosi. She's the one that refused to to make a, a clean deal, you know, unless that we put she put she had her demands agreed to, which was universal mail-in voting forever was some of the crazy things that she wanted. And so at least if there's a Senate that's controlled by the Republicans, maybe they wouldn't let that happen. But, you know, I don't know. You never know. (laughs) No, it's going to be a whole other world of unknowns. And, um, you know, to your point about how we get the vaccines out, then you have Anthony Fauci coming out and saying, even with the vaccine, we still need... uh, Social still, distancing still gonna and masks. Still going to need to wear a mask. Still going to need to wear a mask, Julie. In the meantime, the collateral damage is just keeps piling up. There was a report, I talk about it today in my article on American Greatness, that uh, the AP looked at um, nursing homes across the country, did sort of a deep dive into what's happening, and they conclude there's about 40,000 excess deaths in U.S. nursing homes based on Uh, the lockdowns of long-term care facilities, people, elderly people who have been kept away from their families for now six or seven months. And we actually have once healthy senior citizens in nursing homes who are dying of something called failure to thrive, which kills, you know, millions of babies and children in developing countries. And now we are forcing we are promoting this horrible, slow, painful death on senior citizens, including a lot of veterans, people who helped build this country, who helped defend this country, are now suffering in silence um, away from their families. It's just this is just such a catastrophe on so many levels. And that's just one report uh, of many out this week about what's happening in our nursing homes. Well, one um important thing to remember is when families go and see their relatives in these nursing homes, they're able to keep an eye on them too. I mean, it's not just that these, these poor people are completely isolated, but you know, that's how they, they make sure that their family member is being taken good care of. Now that's been just totally cut off. So that report was horrifying just bed sores, people injured, emaciated from not eating. Uh, It's disgusting that this is a civilized country and this is how we treat our, our, our elderly. And yet, you know, these, these uh, despots running states like Michigan, California, New York, they just want more lockdowns. They do. And now we're getting into like crazy territory, right? So now we're getting curfews in Ohio because, you know, the virus, <laughs> the virus is not lethal, apparently, between 10 p.m. or it is lethal between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. I, I don't know what the rationale is. And they just keep doubling down on each other. It's like they're playing this little game of who can get away with the most ridiculous 
restrictions. So now you have curfews. Now you have um, decrees about you can only have six people in your house and they all have to be from the same household and you have to stay six feet away. I mean, re- I remember a day when we were supposed to stay out of people's bedrooms. Remember that? And now yeah. all of a sudden we're like, you can't have a turkey dinner with, you know, Aunt Sally for two hours uh, on Thanksgiving. Well, how but are the they going to enforce this? How would they like they want some of these cities that actually cut the budgets for the police. So, I mean, how how are they going to enforce things like how many people are in your house? Here's the scary thing, Liz. They don't need to enforce it because your shockingly. Most people are going to go around, uh, are going to go along with it. I mean, you see a little bit of drop off, obviously, from the spring and summer. People see how hypocritical <laughs> these governors are. I mean, the Gavin Newsom thing, like, you could not make up more perfectly. But well, how, people how, will abide how by lethal, it. How lethal do you think he thinks this virus is if he was willing and his medical lobbyist friends, you right. know, to break all the rules? Well, it That's sounds to me like right. they don't take it very seriously. Uh, no, they don't. They don't take it seriously at all because, um, it, yeah, they wouldn't be gathering like they are. They wouldn't be traveling. You know, they wouldn't. Uh, didn't they just have a bunch of legislators go down to Hawaii for? Yeah, some they were going to go gathering? on a Hawaii junket or something. I mean, there's just no they because they know there's no science to back up what they're doing. Uh, certainly doesn't justify any of these lockdowns, especially school closures, which are just crushing students across the country and they know that it's not as lethal as they say that it is uh by their own actions well you definitely can tell that that this is a lot of this is propaganda driven by the fact that nobody's talking about whether death rates are increasing or decreasing all we hear is that people are infected but we don't we don't hear that these people are dying from it so I don't know. It seems like that would be the more valuable metric, you know, if we're concerned about lives. Well, and this is another scary thing to consider where this goes. So you have Biden, if he becomes president in January, maybe you have the vaccine. You still have these lockdowns. He keeps flubbing back and forth about whether he's going to shut down. But I saw another one of his coronavirus advisors, and this scared the hell out of me. She was talking about this contact tracing idea and mandatory testing. So people will have to do tests, which you have to do a test every day because you could do a test on one day and then the next day maybe pick it up from somebody or all of the concerns about the false positive test, which is legitimate, too. And then tracking where you're going, tracking, making sure. And I mean, I've seen this with college students. For anyone who's unaware of what's been happening on our college campuses, I have a daughter in college, obviously all of her friends. I had to write a recommendation letter for a girl I've known since she was in third grade. She's one of my daughter's best friends. She's at the University of Illinois. She tested positive because they're testing these kids like three times a week. Tested positive, was quarantined to her apartment in her room for 14 days, could not leave. So she's sort of like starting to crack up. I mean, she's a great kid, obviously gone into a good school. And her mom said, well, we'll just go for a walk outside they tracked her movements u of i and was going to put her before a a board a tribunal a tribunal (laughs) to kick her out now but this has already happened to students so she was panicked so 
I wrote a recommendation letter for her saying what a great kid she is because she went on a walk outside. She's like, I took the stairs from the seventh floor. So I wouldn't risk being in an elevator with anyone, even though I had a mask on and just went for a walk and they were going to kick her out of school for that. So what's happening in our college campuses, the Biden administration and his advisors want that to happen across the country. And it's not for a virus. It's for more control, surveillance. I mean, it was pretty terrifying to hear this coronavirus advisor talk about this as it's going to be a reality. How can you justify doing, I mean, how can, not, not you, but how can they justify this when we've got two vaccines almost ready to go? I think because they've brainwashed so many people that they will appeal. I mean, how does every socialized communist country, what's the basis, the common good, right? You, we have to do this together for the common good. And for this was the whole mask thing. This was the genius of the mask thing. It wasn't that you were protecting yourself. It's that you're protecting other people, which, of course, you're not. So that is what forced people. It, then if you don't have a mask on, you're selfish, you don't care about your fellow man, et cetera, et cetera, which, okay, I, I don't owe a common man any, I don't owe anybody anything. But that is how they've brainwashed people. And now this, they'll say, well, this is in everyone's best interest, not you, but the people around you to make sure you're not, you know, this walking pathogen who is infecting people and you don't know about it. <clears throat> well, I think... It's just, it's just incredible since we don't, we're not seeing the actual meaningful numbers. And the reason is because this is in fact a tool to manipulate people and not an actual public health crisis. And so once the vaccines are out, there's another one right on the heels, ready to go. You you had Pfizer, you had the Scott Gottlieb's oh. vaccine, that jerk, and then the other company, I can't remember. It's Moderna. not. Uh, yeah. You've got two ready to go. What, why are we still dealing? You know, why are we still talking about this? And, you know, once we, we vaccinate the frontline people who I agree, I mean, they should definitely get vaccinated there if they're, you know, have a lot of exposure, exposure to it. And certainly older people who are very frail, you know, the same, they vaccinate everybody in nursing homes for pneumonia as well, that they take the pneumonia vaccine. There's two pneumonia vaccines. Um, I've got, I have a, a pneumonia vaccine personally, because my family, the right. pneumonia kills my family. So, um, and, and once you do that and other people volunteer to take it, I mean, what we're just looking at, at, at a bad flu. I mean, the flu does kill people too. I know the left gets upset. It's not just a flu. No, it kind of is. No, right. <laughs> Unless you're at high it risk. It kind of is. It right. kind of is. So look, and, if Chris Christie can survive this, I know anybody can. Seriously. I mean, Where, how about Chuck Grassley? That guy's 87. Uh, I know. And I'm sure he will survive. Knock I mean, wood. Who, I mean, knock wood. I'm knocking wood right now. Yeah. Um, but also, I I tweeted this a couple, like a week ago, and I feel really strongly about it. We know, I mean, we know much more about the virus than we did back in March um, when it became obvious that we had a problem. And what we know is that certain people are more likely to be severely stricken 
and possibly die. And that has to do with your metabolic health and your overall health. So why on earth aren't we spending as much time as we tell people to wear masks and stay inside and socially distance to lose weight, change their diet and get healthy? Because there is a huge, this makes a huge difference. But you never hear anybody talking about that. And I'm not, I'm not like a hippie granola crunchy person, but we know that people that have low vitamin D levels, which of course are even lower now because no one's going outside. We're not allowed to go outside anymore. Um, And low vitamin D, people who are diabetic, people who are overweight, it just seems to me in a, you know, those are equally important, I think, in risk mitigation. It absolutely is. And I mean, the flu. So what's happening now, too, and there was a report, I think, in the Miami Herald, people, who, you know, this hospitalization and people are fleeing, you know, flocking to the hospital. Same thing we heard in the spring. But what's happening is obviously the first of November is the start of the flu season. We had a very virulent flu season last year. I think it was partially fueled by COVID before we realized that it was here. Um, but if you go to a hospital, urgent care, and there's you have to take a test. And so People are getting tested for COVID Um, a lot. You know, people are testing positive, but they're in the hospital for other reasons, which also is the flu. You'll see a huge drop now in the flu rates because the CDC actually does a pretty good job of tracking flu year by year. All of a sudden, there's like no flu. Everything is is COVID Um, because, of course, they have a lot of the same symptoms. Um, But. I want to talk about another quick pet peeve, and I, I know you you have healthcare workers in your family too. I am sick and tired of hearing nurses and doctors bitch about doing their job. This is was part of the propaganda early on. It's starting back up again. Can you imagine? Now you have some of these nurses. I know one was interviewed, and apparently it was fraud. But they're also on social media talking about how they are asking people who come in, have you been to a bar or restaurant? What have you been doing? Like, how did you catch a virus? Can you imagine asking an AIDS patient who came in? Oh, how did how did you get HIV? Like, where no. did you get it from? Or uh, even a drug user, hepatitis. How did you get allowed. There? I think that's illegal. <laughs> so not only are they shaming their patients, they're talking about it in the media and on social media. And now there's, they are some kind of victims then. Okay. Do you do that to people who are in a car accident? How about people who commit suicide? Do you yell at them? I mean, you could go through to your point, a whole litany. You have obese people come in and they've had a heart attack or, you know, they're diabetic and they have to start getting their feet chopped off. Do you yell at them for eating too many donuts? No. So this, virus on so many levels, it breaks all of the rules, every privacy rule we ever thought that we had. But now I'm sick and tired of listening to these healthcare workers, bitch, then go find something else to do. You know, we have tens of millions of people out of jobs permanently. They're bitching. Why? Because people come in and they're infected because they're sick. I mean, well, then obviously you need to go take up bricklaying (laughs) or something because that's literally your job. You have one job. Right. You have one job. That's right. That, and also, I think a lot of people don't know how they get it. Right. I'm, I mean, nobody's like, hey, there's someone with it. I'm going to go lick all the things they touch and then ask them to sneeze on me. I don't think anybody knowingly, you know, showers themselves in 
whatever, however this thing travels in viral, like particles of spit particles or whatever. So I, I agree with you, Julie. That's just really, really obnoxious. It's it's so obnoxious. And I tweeted about it the other day. I sort of thought about it. And then I thought, well, karma, you know, I, now I'm going to get sick and these doctors are going to be like, hey, lady, I'm always worried about that, too. But, you know, almost every health condition that we suffer in the Western world is is the result of some poor choices. Not not all of them, but many of them, you know, are the For result sure. of people making poor choices. And I'm not excluding myself. OK, I'm a potato. Right. I don't even pretend otherwise, but you have a people with heart disease. They don't exercise. They eat seed oils like canola oil, which is toxic. Don't eat that. Um, other things, really, I mean, right. or it's if you broke your leg riding a bike, do they go, well, what were you doing riding your bike? You know, it, it, it's so obnoxious. It's crazy where we've gotten to. And then, so to your point, Arnie Duncan, who um, was Barack Obama's, education secretary he had did a video this week he lives in chicago he his wife and i think their four kids all got coronavirus so he's on twitter and he's like we did everything right and of course chicago is shut down there's nowhere to go i don't know where he would have gone but he said we did everything um we don't know who gave it to us or which one of us got it and gave it to each other like who cares who cares how you got it? Who that's cares? Like, that's in like your family your who kid. gave it to you. You know, when you have your kid and you have, I don't have children, but I have a lot of friends with children and everybody kind of knows that kids going to school, they're like little Petri dishes. They yes. get sick. They bring it home. And every vacation with all my friends, their whole house is like wiped out with some, something, some bug, right? The flu, sniffles, Always. whatever. Just do you do you punish your child for that? Like, no, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we should be grateful they took some time away from making TikTok videos of them dancing. Remember that the Titanic? Remember too, they were all doing their little dances yeah. on TikTok, and I was like, wait, I thought you guys were overworked. Right. Well, that'll be that'll be next. I'm sure. Well, they are just really um, their superiority complex is like any of the credentialed class is pretty alarming. So it's, it's gross. <clears throat> These people are all gross. They um, really it's and it, it's going to get worse. And I know you brought this up, Julie, but I want to bring before ages ago, but I also think this is a dry run for all of the sacrifices we're going to have to make for the greater good regarding climate change. Yeah. That's coming. Yep. It's That's like, exactly right. You're going to unplug your freezer. Okay. Because, too much too much energy oh my god it's uh yeah so this was a dry run I think you're right a lot of people have pointed that out now we're going to have rolling climate change but there'll be another virus as soon as this <laughs> goes away there'll be something else so whether it's climate whether it's another virus well it's been it's so effective they're not going to be like okay never mind back to normal you know right. I think this has also been a test run to see how compliant the population is Yes. And, you know, a lot of them are. I mean, of course, there's a lot of people that are like, go fuck yourself. I'm not wearing a mask. I mean, I know friends like that. Um, you might be that person, too. You know, you might be one of those people. But and there's always people that are going to say, well, wait a minute. What, in what way is this this actually beneficial? Um, so 
we'll we'll see. We'll see where this goes. So, all right. Well, that's our that's our show. That's our hour. And we will not be here next week because it's Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> that's right. And we are gonna sing and gather with as many family members as we can. I'm gonna be speaking as loud as I can with saliva <laughs> and spittles coming out and blanketing my guests with my diseased. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna saliva. miss that. I know. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this hour. We, we we will not be here next week. We will be back the week after that. So have a great Thanksgiving Happy and hug your family. Bye. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.